Well, good morning. So good to see each and every one of you, whether you're here in person or you're joining us online. I'm so glad, so glad that you're here. Before we dig into the Word, I want to acknowledge a couple dates. All right, first of all, this Thursday is Veterans Day. All right, so at this time I would invite uh, veterans of uh, our armed services to stand up if you have served or are currently serving, or if you're a family member of somebody who is currently serving. Let's express our appreciation. Thank you so much. We deeply appreciate uh, your service and your sacrifice. Uh, there's another date that was brought to my mind this week, and it's actually today. And today is the International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians. That was brought to my attention. And, and if you're like me, sometimes I get trapped in my own little world. Our church, Greenwood, Indiana, the United States, sometimes we need to be reminded that the kingdom is bigger than we are. And there are brothers and sisters in Christ around the world that are fighting unbelievable persecution. Millions of brothers and sisters who are, their, their lives are at, at risk on a daily basis. Their church is under attack on a daily basis. And I believe it's good for us to acknowledge that. And more importantly, let us pray together. Father, we acknowledge this morning that uh, we live in a world that's fallen, that's full of violence, that's full of persecution, in ways that are uh, even difficult for us right here to imagine. And Lord, we look forward to the day when uh, there will be perfect peace, there will be perfect love, there will be perfect relationships, but we realize that day is not today. So as we look back and we, we are thankful for those who have served to help give us freedoms that we enjoy. We also know that there are many around the world who are uh, suffering as they try to follow you. We think specifically of those in North Korea, in Afghanistan, in Somalia, in Libya, in Pakistan, in Yemen, in Iran, in Nigeria, and in India. We lift our brothers and sisters before you. We ask for your protection. We ask that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, and that you would use them as lights to build your kingdom. And Lord, while we are separated uh, from them by great distance, uh, stir our hearts to remember that uh, your kingdom is bigger than this place. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right. Conflict, forgiveness, reconciliation. 
How do those words hit you this morning? I talked to lots of people this week and asked for some questions around forgiveness and reconciliation, and um, everybody said they had it all figured out. No conflict. Last week covered it all, so we're just going to move on to something easy this week. It's not the case. We're going to lean back in, and we're going to dig into this process of forgiveness and reconciliation. Last week, we anchored our teaching in Matthew 18. And if you remember, we talked about a process of, hey, if somebody sins against you, go to your brother, go to your sister, try to win them over. If that doesn't work, bring somebody else. If that doesn't work, you... You get, there's a progressive process there. We looked at the great uh, warning parable in Matthew 18 about the unmerciful servant, where the king has forgiven him zillions, but he will not forgive his fellow brother of a much smaller amount. And we're reminded of the, the call to forgive from the heart. We entered the messy and painful world where forgiveness is required. We realize both the challenge and importance of the topic. And seriously, I did invite some um, questions and had some hard conversations. And really feel from the Lord that we need to lean back in and take another lap around some passages and see where the Lord might lead us in this. I'm going to give you some, some concrete steps, a little bit more systematic way of looking at it. But I want to make this uh, personal for you today. So I brought a stool with me. There's not going to be a special guest coming up for me to talk to. But I think everybody has somebody that they're in conflict with right now. I think everybody has somebody where maybe there's a little bit of distance. Maybe it's a little chilly. Maybe it's hard. It may not be just somebody who sinned against you. Maybe you're just in some level of conflict with them. Everybody have somebody you can put in that chair? I think most of you do. If you don't, you can just pray for the rest of us. Or you might have somebody in the future, or you might be able to help somebody else who's dealing with hard stuff. So spoiler alert, this is not a yippy-skippy, happy, everything's perfect message. Are we okay with that this morning? Because I think that's, that's real, so here, that's where we go. So why does forgiveness matter in the kingdom. I want to give you a big picture and then we'll drill down on some of your specific questions. Why does forgiveness matter so much in the kingdom? Why does it matter? I want to give you three reasons. I think one, forgiveness is at the very heart, the very core of what it means to follow Jesus together as a community. It's at the core. What's that cross represent? It's at the very core. Forgiveness is essential to my growth, your growth as followers of Jesus. 
How we respond in conflict reveals a lot about how, we're, how closely we're following Jesus. Forgiveness is not an optional strategy for personal growth. It's a requirement. Our eagerness to forgive and seek reconciliation is a reflection of how clearly we see the hope of Jesus, how closely we are being shaped by that hope of Jesus, and how naturally and compassionately we share that hope of Jesus. So it's at the core. Second, it's really hard, and I know a lot of you are struggling. It's especially hard in our culture today I know personally many of you are dealing with difficult relationships or you're avoiding working through difficult relationships. I know we all have blind spots, gaps between what we believe, what we claim, and how we actually live. I was talking with somebody this week about forgiveness and This person said, you know what, I don't even, I've got somebody in my life, I don't even want to pray for them. Because if I know if I pray for them, I'll want to forgive them. What is that kind of response? That's called honest. I know others are like, "I, I got some bitterness, but I don't want to deal with it. Not today. I'm not going to deal with it. Others of you, maybe you're in the middle of something and it's just, it just continues to be hard. Third, I think there is great hope and opportunity for you and me to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in transforming our character and our relationships. I think there's hope. There is hope for us all in the midst of of this. Last week I left you with a world-class example of forgiveness. Corey Ten Boom again lived in Nazi Germany, family members killed by um, you know, the Nazis and she forgave. And we, and sometimes I don't know about you, but I hear these just like world-class examples of forgiveness and it's like I'm it's like I'm watching a professional athlete live as a follower of Jesus and forgive. I'm like, I don't know that I could do that. That's really hard. So we get into our mundane world of forgiveness and how do we, how do we do? Last week, uh, Matt challenged us to text somebody. Say, hey, who are you in conflict with? Text them. And I know a couple of you did that and I actually heard some, some cool stories. Some of you, maybe you did that and you didn't get anything in return. It's still hard. So wherever you are, we're going to deal with forgiveness and reconciliation today. I want to, first of all, give you some passages to anchor, and we're kind of taking another lap around a few things, because I think they're really clear and important. Colossians 3, we've spent some time in that. I'm going to take you back to 12 through 14 quickly. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bear with each other. 
And forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is a vision passage. Paul continues, verse 15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So what is this vision? I want you to see this vision of a forgiving, reconciling community. Don't just hear those words. I want you to see it, and I want you to picture this community. It's a loving community. It is a forgiving community where we bear with each other. We suffer with each other. We deal with grievances against one another, conflict, offenses. We teach and admonish. What's it mean to admonish? We warn. We say, watch out. All in the name of Jesus, under his authority in his kingdom. I believe this is true. Relational conflict is the training ground for learning to live like Jesus. Relational conflict is the training ground for learning to live like Jesus. It's not the only thing, but it's a big thing. Paul says this in Ephesians 4. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ from him, the whole body joined and held up together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each does its work. There is a process of speaking the truth in love. It's a process that builds up the body. It's part of the vision, folks. It's part of who we are as a church, part of who you are as a family. Small group, church, whatever we're in, we're in this together. So interesting, uh, love the Apostle Paul, writes the letter to the Philippians, church at Philippi. And right before, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I always think of Tim Tebow and the Philippians 4.13, I black. Before, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, present your request to God, and the peace of God will transcend all understanding and guard your heart and your mind in Christ. Before these famous passages, there's this little bit in there. In Philippians 4.2, Paul says this, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. In the midst of these big passages big promises, big things we put on the fridge. Hey, there's some conflict going on here. Let's get some reconciliation. 
there's a gap between our high and lofty ideals and the reality. Sometimes we just don't get along. Have you seen this? Are you with me in this? Okay, let's dig in. All right, let me answer some questions here. But I want you to see that we have this vision here. Because most things in our culture work against this. We're individualistic, we're consumer-driven, everything's immediate, we're physically disconnected, we no longer live in communities where you have to get along. <laughs> we just don't. We can isolate. we got to work. Okay, so let's, let me dig into a couple buckets of questions here. First is, what is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? Well, last week we said that... Uh, Forgiveness begins with this understanding of what sin is, that sin is a debt. It is a cost that somebody has to pay. It is a relational car wreck. Had the opportunity to uh, pay for many car wrecks. Been in a few. Kids have been in a few. Thank you, Jesus. They've all been safe, but we've had a lot of damage. Sometimes it's their fault. One time my son just got... His car was parked in Bloomington, and lo and behold, somebody ran into it. No fault whatsoever. But there's a range of fault, but whatever the case, there is damage. Sin is relational damage. Somebody has to pay for that. Somebody has to pay the cost. Somebody has to pay for that sin, that cost, your happiness, your peace of mind, your reputation, your physical well-being, your bank account. Somebody's got to pay. The way of the world is to pay back harder. We talked about Lamech last week. I will be avenged. Seventy times seven, and Jesus reversed that and said, no, 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 no. Forgive. Forgive. But to, to forgive is to make the choice to pay the debt yourself. What does that look like? You refuse to hurt the person directly. No cutting remarks. On and on it goes. Beware of the subtle ways we do this, the way we distance ourselves, passive-aggressive stuff. You refuse to hurt them by damaging their reputation. You refuse to harbor and feel the bad feeling and feed the bad feelings in your heart. You don't root for them to fail. You don't long for the day when the whole truth will come out and you will be vindicated. You don't replay the film to stir up your bitterness again. It's in the heart. That's in the heart. Forgiveness is always costly. How do you know if you've forgiven someone? Well, there are two parts to forgiveness. There's the granting of forgiveness and the attitude of forgiveness. I can, I can say the words. You ever had kids and you're like, say you're sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ask for forgiveness. It's not all bad, but, but, but there's, there's an expression of those words. There's a granting of that, and, and the heart often is slow to catch up. 
Just acknowledge that there's two parts to this. If you had to wait till your heart was fully there before you granted it, you, you may not ever get there. But there's two parts to it. Remember, you're still bearing the cost. A couple things that forgiveness is not. It's not forgetting. That's one of the bad cliches that we have. Forgive and forget. You're still bearing a cost when you forgive. It's not punishing. It's not earning. It's not expecting a guarantee that it won't happen again. It's not a feeling. It's not excusing. It's not excusing the behavior. It's not saying you don't have to um, receive the just consequences of your sin. It's not trust. If I'm in a business deal with somebody and they did me wrong, I can forgive them and choose not to go into business with them again. Okay, let's, let's think about what forgiveness is and what it's not. There are boundaries here. Forgiveness and reconciliation and trust are not necessarily the same thing. Now, one of the questions that was asked, how do I know when to confront and when to let it go? You ever been in that space? When do I say something? When do I not? Friend said, if you have to ask the question, you ought to let it go. <laughs> I said, well, I don't know, maybe. Maybe. Sometimes as we mature, as we grow, sometimes we're less easily offended. First Peter 4, 8 says, above all, love each other deeply because love co covers over a multitude of sins. We balance this with Go to your brother. Go to your sister. Tim Keller says this, and I think it's just a, a bracing statement, but it makes you think. Any love that is afraid to confront the beloved is really not love, but a selfish desire to be loved. Ken Sandy gives uh, four helpful criteria when it comes to do I confront or let it go. First of all, is it dishonoring to God? Is it visible enough to affect somebody's witness? Use this one with caution. I had a situation several years ago. Uh, I don't visit the dry cleaner often. It's a good thing. But I dropped off a suit, and it had the nice, nice wooden cedar hanger dropped it off, and when I got the suit back, my nice hanger was gone. And apparently the way I responded wasn't as Christ-like as it could have been. There was a, 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 a high school student who was working who passed that information along to one of my kids. That information got back to my wife. I think there was a gift card and an apology that came, and I'm like, wow, I didn't... But it's a little thing, but I'm like, Oof, I, I did not represent Christ very, because, hey, you're a pastor, you're going you're gonna to be petty over a hanger? Come on now. 
So I received some confrontation. Is it damaging your relationship? Cold, distant. Several weeks ago, I said the head on a swivel in the grocery store test. When I go in, am I avoiding somebody? I don't want to talk to them. Maybe there's some work that needs done. Is it hurting others? Is there a pattern of behavior that is damaging to somebody else? I'd want to know that. Is it hurting the offender? Who does sin ultimately hurt? I go back to the great classic everybody's heard about, few people have read, The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne, their character Arthur Dimsdale, the pastor who has an affair with one of his parishioners. She has a baby. Hester, Hester's the one who goes up on the scaffold, has to wear the scarlet letter A. What is Dimsdale doing the whole time? He never confesses it, but he is carving an A in his chest. He is suffering. The sin eats him alive. So some questions to ask, to filter. Now, let's move on. How do I prepare to take the next step in reconciling with somebody? I think there's a mindset that we need to have. There's three equal kind of concerns we got to put together. One is to have a heart-level attitude of grace. A heart-level attitude of grace that says, I'm for you, I'm committed to forgive you, regardless of whether or not the offender has repented and asked for forgiveness. Mark eleven twenty five 25 says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. So there's an attitude of the heart that is grace. I have been forgiven. God didn't give up on me. That's the posture that I will have. Second, there's an understanding. Or there's a commitment to speak the truth. To surrender the right to pay back, to get even. But also the integrity and the courage to speak the truth. Galatians 6, 1 through 3 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. So there is grace. I'm for you. I realize that God is always the first mover, that God has pursued me, that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. There's truth that says I am going to bring this to light for your good. And then there's time. There's time. We live in a fast-paced world. Reconciliation requires time, patience, to never give up on the relationship, 
patience to understand that people are in different places in the journey. If it took a long time for you to get the courage and the prayer and all that to go talk to somebody, it may take a minute for them to receive that. I like my problems solved quickly, effortlessly, textbook-like. One, two, three, thank you, Jesus. It's all solved. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes God just says, I'm going to work. I'm going to work a miracle right now. Forgiveness is a miracle. It is. But it's a process that requires time. Now, let me close by giving you some practical steps. Practical steps. So how do you prepare? What's this look like? Well, let's start with this. How about we pray before, during, and after our time? How about that? Pray before. (laughs) Help me get my heart right. My heart's deceitful. My heart wants what it wants. We're in a battle. We're also in a spiritual battle. Where do you think Satan's going to... He's going to try to divide. Where God is working, Satan will try to divide. we got to pray. Pray during that time. I'm here. (laughs) I'm with a person that's offended or we're in conflict, whatever that is. God is with us as we meet. Pray. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And pray after. Because sometimes when you close the meeting, it ain't over. Two, make the invitation to meet in person whenever possible. How many of you capture tone perfectly in an email? Taught English for 14 years, even English teachers, terrible with email sometimes. It's just hard. It's just hard to communicate via text and email sometimes. It may start, but my goodness, if it's a big deal, let's get face-to-face. Let's have the meeting. Let's have the courage to have the meeting. It's often helpful, thirdly, to confess your part. The vast majority of... Now, there are exceptions to this, my friend. There are... are, And there's always a caveat of, of just physical abuse and things. It's like like my son's car that's, that's just sitting there and somebody crashes into it. There, there's no fault of your own. There are situations that are dangerous. You need safety. You need help. I'm not talking about, let, let me, can, I, can I make that caveat? But the vast majority, it ain't zero and 100%. There's times I've been in a conflict, I think it was zero and 100 that's how I see it in the windshield. Then, then a few years go down the road, I look in that rear view. My actual involvement, responsibility in that kind of goes up. And I'm like, oh, that hurts. But have the courage and humility to say, hey, I, I, I might be responsible for 5% of it. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> but I might lead with, hey, here's my, here's my part in it. Help me understand that. 
That's a pretty good bridge. Ask for forgiveness, shared understanding. Then we can address the ways the other person has wronged you. Then we can get there. And then fifth, I would invite you to check back in. To check back in. Because I think, what, you know, again, we, we, can, we can be in situations where we think we've been clear. We think we have mutual understanding. We think we have forgiveness. And there's this beautiful moment. And then it doesn't proceed. I was an English department chair for lots of years. Had a conflict once, and I thought I had it all perfectly resolved. And then it just blew up. And out of anger and frustration, I put in a whole new laminate floor in my house. (laughs) That's therapy. But sometimes it just takes time, and we got to circle. We got to circle back. Well, today, my friends, as we think through and we begin to apply this teaching and it's hard it's not a lot of fun but as we let it we we let God's word sit we make a commitment as a community as a as a as followers of Jesus to be a forgiving and a reconciling and a bearing with one another community hope you would share that vision. Jesus reminds us that forgiveness is at the center of our community, and he does that, or he did that, um, when he called his disciples together in the upper room, gather them, they didn't, they had their conflicts, they had their issues. And he gathered them in the upper room, and, he, and we remember that on the night that Jesus would be betrayed, he would be betrayed by Judas, he would be denied by Peter, they would all scatter. We're reminded of that night, that on the night he was betrayed. He took the bread and he broke it, and after giving thanks, Jesus said, this is my body, broken So as followers of Jesus, may we receive the bread together. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup. He says, this cup represents my blood, the blood of the new covenant, blood that will be shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take, drink, do this in remembrance of Jesus. May we receive the cup together. Would you pray with me? Father, as we receive the bread and the cup, we're reminded of your goodness to us. We're reminded of the price that you paid on the cross. 
And as we allow that truth to penetrate our minds and our hearts, we ask that you would continue to do the work in our own hearts that only you can do. So, Father, as we imagine that person with whom we are in conflict, as we think about who's in that chair for each one of us, show us the next right thing to do. And help us along the way. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.